there's not bad people, there's bad systems. I believe we're in a, a fight for our very for our very freedom. We're in a fight for our souls right now, for our survival, for our children's future. I think that this is a moment of opportunity. Um, and with the overreach by so many of the governors, um, I, I think there's gonna be a rebirth of freedom in the United States and a rebirth of curiosity about things. This is about the human race. And you know, we may have some different perspectives, but we all agree that this is an enormous problem. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw and welcome back to The Vibe Show. You heard my interview of Dr. Judy Mikovits, one of the United States leading virologists. She had a 40-year career in some of the top labs all over the country. She worked under some of the most uh, renowned scientists, became one of the most renowned scientists, um, was absolutely dogged and determined in figuring out what was going on for all of these women, people, but especially women with chronic fatigue syndrome. And she recently came out with a book that was sold out by the time that I interviewed her called Plague of Corruption. She said to me, Robin, you should really interview my co-author, Kent Heckin-Lively. And he's a pretty interesting guy. In fact, he actually got banned from the country of Australia. But what we're running today on The Vibe Show is an excerpt of an interview I did for him that is coming up. The entire uh, episode is coming up in a summit that we will be coming out with. And so I am interviewing the very top of the top who are willing to tell the truth, blow the whistle in some cases like Kent Heck and Lively and Judy Mikovits did on the CDC, Dr. Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks, World Health Organization, the FDA. She wasn't messing around. She took them all on. And so this right here is an excerpt with Kent Heck and Lively, who is a science teacher and who also is an attorney by background. If you like this episode and you want to be part of sending a message to Congress that you don't want contact tracing funded by the federal government, or if you want to send a message to your state governor saying, you trampled my constitutional rights and everybody else is in our state by shutting businesses down and putting us into mass unemployment, or if you want to send a message about 5G to your local leaders, we are building all three of those campaigns, but we want to make it very, very easy for you to speak up and take action. And so the website is called takeactionforfreedom.com. Takeactionforfreedom.com. It's right at the top in your show notes. So scroll down and you can check out takeactionforfreedom.com if we don't have those campaigns built out so that you can speak up, so that you can make your voice heard, so that you can say no to 5G in your town, so that you can say no to future shutdowns and overreach of government in your state, so that you can say no to the federal government on HR 6666. Go to takeactionforfreedom.com. And so with that, here's an excerpt of an amazing uh, interview I did for our summit coming up with Kent Heckenlively. So welcome to the show, Kent Heckenlively. Thanks for having me. Well, I've been excited about this ever since your co-author uh, Judy Mikovits suggested that you would be a great interview. Um, thanks for giving us some of your time today, and congratulations because uh, Joe Mercola told me today that you are number one New York Times bestseller. I can't even get my hands on that book. Well, now you can, since our publishers did a special order of a hundred thousand hardcover copies. We one of the last times they did that was with the Mueller report, um, with commentary by Alan Dershowitz. So, uh, I the, our publisher is Skyhorse. So I uh, emailed my publisher and I said. You should refer to me now as one of the stallions of Skyhorse. That is fantastic. So Skyhorse is your imprint? Skyhorse Publishing, yeah. Okay. So um, first of all, I'm mind blown. You're number three New York Times bestseller, which is still number three that, and number one on Amazon. Like still, it's like a, not only is it a home run and not only am I happy for you and for Judy who have done this thing that is so courageous, I'm also mind blown because New York Times is so liberal and they have 
their 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 media coverage since the beginning of this COVID nineteen debacle has been just it shows who they are. Like they are hardcore. Le- I almost I almost think you guys might have squeaked by without them actually figuring out what the book was about. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's been kind of interesting because um, you know our our intention with this is not to be. Uh, of any political side, just going after truth. I mean, you know, here we have, uh, you know, so me, I tend to be more conservative, but you know, I have Robert Kennedy Jr. doing the forward and you know, how much more democratic can you get than that? And we have Judy Mikovits who is hilariously non-political. She knows nothing about movies or politics mostly. So um, it's really, you know, as I have said, um, this is about the human race, and you know we may have some different perspectives, but we all agree that this is an enormous problem, and uh, it really has been amazing how we've been attacked. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to read some of the coverage because you know I, I think it was the Washington Post who was claiming that we were uh, agents of Chinese disinformation. Uh, then you have uh, the New York Times who is suggesting that. We're part of a cabal inside the Trump White House to get rid of Fauci. And, you know, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm a middle school science teacher, so um, I don't have any of those connections. And so I, I jokingly say that, you know, I haven't had this much fun since I secretly ran Iran-Contra with Oliver North or I flew drug planes in Central America with Barry Seal. So... Uh, you mentioned you have an autistic doc- daughter. Is that how you got started as an activist for, you say anti-vaccine. I've never heard anybody who is in the medical freedom movement. You know, I don't let anybody call me that. I say, I'm not, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm pro medical freedom and I'm pro safety and efficacy testing. Do you embrace that term uh, anti-vax? And is that how you got started with your daughter's autism or? Yeah. So, so I do embrace the term because it's, it's kind of, maybe it's just me. Um, I, I got a chip on my shoulder when I, I, I don't let the enemy define me. Um, so, you know, if, if, you know, they call me poopy head, I say I'm king poopy head, you know, okay, I'll take that and I'll go you one better. Maybe it's cause I'm a middle school teacher. This is just my maturity level. Um, but, um, uh, it was really the experience with my son that kind of turned me around because we think that my daughter was. Uh, injured by her six-month vaccines and, you know, baby at that level. It's really difficult to know development. But uh, along comes my son, uh, our son, and for reasons unrelated to autism, we kept him on a hypoallergenic milk formula until he was about uh, 15 months old because, you know, it's just, it's kind of expensive. And so we switched him back. Um, I actually took my son to our, to his um, 18-month checkup because I thought that the doctor missed something at my daughter's checkup. He went through a full developmental workup, uh, had 15 to 20 words, looking appropriately, tracking everything appropriate. He gets his shots and then three days later, my wife, who's a speech therapist, says, you know, Ben, stop talking. And he started pounding his head on the floor. And so, you know, suddenly I'm I'm like, well, what, what? You know, and I'd heard about this theory that vaccines could cause harms. I I just thought it was nuts. Um, So, Luckily, within a couple of days of that happening, I ran across the gluten casein-free diet, and we put both kids on it immediately. So he's talking about not just in case anybody didn't understand that he no gluten and no casein, so no dairy products and no wheat products. And so um, what we then did was after 12 days, my son said his first word again, um, and it was almost as I as if I caught him as he was falling into the abyss of autism. Yeah, you detox you detoxed him. You know, Rashid Buttar did the same thing with his son. A little older though. And, and so, um, you know, that my wife, who's a speech therapist, always says it took him about a year to catch up in language to his peers, about two years for his sensory problems to go away, and um, but he entered you know, kindergarten is a normally developing five-year-old and now he's 19 years old. He's in college and, you know, he's a weightlifter and, and, you know, my daughter, um, you know, seriously has trouble walking and trying to speak and she's 22. So, um, you know, it, it, it's not over. We, we, the reason Judy and I fight so hard is because we think that there are things that if the medical community admitted what was going on, there's even help for people like my daughter who, you know, at the age of 22 is still very severely impaired. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you had a, um, 
it sounds like you had two autistic children, but you knew more with the second one. You recognized it. You know, the, the reason those two foods are so important to eliminate if you have an onset of a really inflammatory condition, like the massive inflammation of being in, inoculated with three diseases or six diseases at once, like our children are now, which has absolutely nothing to do with their best interests, has everything to do with just, you know, increasing revenues at the pediatrician's office in one visit. Cause of course they, just, they have access to you for the well baby visit. So of course they're going to give you those, um, you know, it sounds like you turned that around. And I, I have several friends who have two children who are autistic and, and within that group, there's a, there's a small number of them who have been able to turn it around with similar actions like you did. So that should give people hope. It's it's interesting that it's your daughter who um, is severely autistic because, you know, if we continue to see the rise, and I'm sure you know this, Kent, but I'm not sure my, my listeners do, that if we continue to see the rise in autism that we have for this past generation since the 1986 Act indemnified all drug companies and they cannot be sued for the the consequences to our children. I, I also am a, the mother of a vaccine injured child, luckily not autism, but severe life-threatening um, asthma, allergies, uh, eczema. And I, I did the same thing, just detoxified him, totally changed the diet, got him back. I got him back from in and out of hospitals and he ended up being this, you know, like all state pitcher, six foot three, but he was failure to thrive. He was touch and go, nearly died um, many times in the year after that, after that shot. But, um, it's interesting because it's your daughter who has the severe setbacks. And, uh, if we continue, if, if autism continues to increase, like it has been, then by 2032, the babies born in 2032, 80% of the boys will be autistic. Yeah, it, it's terrifying. And, and so, you know, people will, will say to me, are you you know, worried about what you're doing? And, and I, I say, you know, after I saw that happen to my son, and, you know, you could say it's a coincidence, but to get him back so quickly and so completely, um, it, it just said to me that this is not a coincidence. Um, and and I, I just find myself going, you know, what is my purpose for life? if I don't stand up in this moment. And, and so, you know, I, I always say, you know, someday I'm going to die and I'm going to meet God and, and God's going to ask me what I did with my life. And, and I'm going to be so ashamed standing, standing before my Lord and saying, I didn't do anything. I didn't use every bit of my brains and my courage to, you know, and skill to, to fight this, this plague of corruption. I mean, I, I just, it, it, it's, it's really part of, part of the soul. And, and I, you, you know, it's almost as if, how can I say it? I have more respect for those who pe people who think I'm a total whack job than I do for the people who know that what I'm saying has at least some truth to it and are, are choosing to remain silent. You know, it, it's like, I, I can genuinely respect somebody who thinks I'm crazy. Um, it comes from an honest place. They, you know, I, I've got friends who, you know, have asked me not to talk about this situation. And it's kind of strange because now I've got a best-selling book and, you know, they're, they, you know, three years ago, they said, could you please not talk about this when we go out? I'm like, okay, fine. You know, but now it's like, gee, are you going to make money with this book? And I, I think maybe that's the, the crack that's opening up is, you know, oh, you're popular. Yeah, I'm popular. I'm, I'm probably going to make a couple bucks on this thing. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that starts the conversation because that's what we want is we want a conversation. And, you know, back to your question about you've never had somebody say they're an anti-vaxxer because I think that's a conversation we need to have. You know, when I say I'm an anti-vaxxer, what I mean is when I look at how you create a vaccine, you take a virus from a human being, along with a bunch of biological tissue. You run it through different animal species, and then you take that biological material and you inject it into the bloodstream. Well, what we know is that the human uh, genome is about 7% silenced viruses. We have to assume that animals are about the same, but our immune system is suppressing that as it's in a living organism but you take that tissue outside 
of, of a living organism, you put it in a little Petri dish, what's happening is all those viruses are coming out and playing. So you get all these sorts of recombinations, you get all this weird stuff happening. Um, if you have retroviruses, which we all have some retroviruses, well, when they get active, they use reverse transcriptase. So what reverse transcriptase does is it opens up the genetic code so that the viruses can integrate. But what happens is other stuff can integrate into it now. So one of the things that we, we cover in our book, and, and this is the question that we ask, is when you're using aborted human fetal tissue, okay? So that's aborted human fetal tissue from males and females. Well, if you are injecting that aborted human tissue into the bloodstream you have, and you have retroviruses active, what's happening is genetic material from a female may be integrating into that of a male and genetic material from a male may be integrating into a female. So one of the things that you know we're seeing now is is a you know a good deal of gender confusion issues, um, gender identity issues, and, and you know the question that we ask is um, you know this to us it's not a moral thing. Oh gee, you know you're a woman and you think you're a man, and you're a man and you think you're a woman. I think there's a really strong biological explanation that it may be that if we looked at the the genes of these people, and I, I take this also. Um, from the work of Dr. Jeff Bradstreet, because um, before Dr. Jeff Bradstreet uh, died under very mysterious circumstances, um, his family tells, told me that he was looking at the genes of kids with autism and looking at the genes of the parents as well. And what he was finding is these kids with autism had um, genes from mom, dad, and somebody else. There was a third set of genes in there, you know, there, there's a third donor to those children. And so to me, it's, it's as terrifying as any science fiction story. Um, the fact that, you know, I, I know that uh, you had mentioned before the show that, um, you know, Dr. Mikovits's uh, previous uh, talk with you, you know, went viral with over 150,000 views and, um, and getting kicked off of certain platforms. You know, what we're saying is, you know, if you look at the vaccines as containing animal tissue and aborted human fetal tissue, um, I think that's something, you know, I, I always say, okay, the vegan left should get really upset about animal tissue coming into them because they have a philosophical belief that you shouldn't do it, but also the religious right with aborted human fetal tissue. What about me? I'm, I'm the vegan right. What do you do with me? <laughs> Sorry, you know, there can, there can be all sorts of per permutations. But what I'm just saying is uh, it, it's really remarkable because I think that this is a, an all humanity on deck kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, to me, this is, you know, this is the alien invasion of Independence Day. So, you know, who is going to stand up for the human race? I, I'm going to stand up for the human race. And, you know, if I fall, hey, you know, I win both ways, you know, I go to heaven, God says, hey, you were one of the, my, my bravest. Okay, great, God, thanks. You know, if I stay um, and I win and, and we save the human race, um, another victory, two ways to win, no ways to lose. Uh, well, I appreciate that. That's a very positive way to look at it. I'm trying to find my own way to come to terms with what I thought my next 20 years would be. And especially the next, the next two years, I believe we're in a, a fight for our very, for our very freedom. We're going to fight for our souls right now, um, for our survival, for our children's future. And so, um, you said something really interesting and I thought I knew a fair amount about, uh, vaccine issues, but back up and talk about, is there evidence that the massive escalation in maybe the number of vaccines that our children have been given since 1986 because people need to realize that think back to when you were a kid you got a handful of vaccines right i was one of the last ones uh vaccinated for smallpox until my 30s i had a big old scar you know you know what the smallpox scar looks like um, and i was one of the last ones in 1967 um, but then all these new vaccines started coming out and people need to be aware that there are 270 vaccines currently in final 
stage of clinical trial. So we could potentially have up to 270 more vaccines out on the market. I believe that this whole, you know, everybody's panicking, like they're going to make me get this vaccine. All these people who know what's in vaccines and they know the risks and they, 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 they know, you know, the side effects and sometimes the long-term health consequences of vaccines for some people are saying, I'm not going to get it. And they're really fixated on this vaccine for COVID-19. And I don't think they understand. And I don't, I don't mean to, you know, take their fear and 10 exit, but I don't think they realize that Bill Gates' agenda is not a COVID-19 vaccine. Bill Gates' agenda is vaccines every year, as many as he and they say, for life. Getting the chip in us and tracking us is the big win because now it's, it's you know, it's however many it's however many vaccines they say, because I think there are people, you know, they're on our, our private page. We've just changed the name of the private page to um, Take Action for Freedom. That's our Facebook page, Take Action for Freedom. Uh, it's growing by a thousand every other day. And, um, you know, a major a major theme there is like, we, we're just asking a lot of questions, sharing a lot of independent media, okay, outside of the mainstream media, which has people completely hypnotized, confused, and lied to. I am not aware that along with the, you know, we went from before 1986, one in 10,000 children had autism. Now it's one in 34, one in 10,000 to one in 34 in a generation, my friends. So we've, we've gone from, we've gone there, but are you saying that the meteoric rise in confusion about gender, like gender uh, identity disorder, uh, transgendered, all this. Are you saying, now this, this will probably literally be the most controversial thing we've ever talked about on this show. So listen, I'm just answering, asking the question, everyone, and I would like to hear what Kent has to say about it. Let's just be open to the truth, whatever it is. Are you saying there's evidence that this is caused by vaccines? I, I am saying that when you look, when you follow the science of it, when you're using aborted human fetal tissue, and you're using animal tissue, which is contaminated with retroviruses. Retroviruses, by their very nature, use the enzyme reverse transcriptase in order to get the uh, virus to integrate into your genetic code. It seems like a reasonable question to ask whether we are getting gender confusion as a result of our vaccines. And what I really like to do, and, and this makes me provocative, and that's fine, but you know, it, my, with my background as an attorney and a, uh, and a science teacher, you know, the, we attorneys and scientists are supposed to ask questions, and they're supposed to ask provocative questions and, and challenge things, and let's have a debate on it. I think there should be zero vaccines, okay? Zero. So let me tell you why I think that. I think that any product that uses animal tissue mixed with human tissue, which is then injected into the bloodstream, is going to have a problem. Crime against humanity. I'll take it one level further. Crime against humanity. Yeah. And so, you know, what I say is it, we have so many um, viral detection tools. It, here's, I'm going to give you a way to show me that I'm wrong, because that's another thing science teachers are supposed to do. They're supposed to suggest experiments to test whether our hypotheses are correct, okay? My hypothesis is that our vaccines are loaded with animal viruses, okay? Really simple to test. There's so many viral detection tools. You can just take your vaccine off the shelf, put it on one of these chips, and see how contaminated it is. Um, there's this lab out of Italy, Corbella, which did that and found it was contam contaminated with bird viruses, horse viruses, you know, and, and these animal products are used in the creation of these vaccines. So if you said to me, hey, look, we can figure out how to take one virus, but remember how small a virus is. A virus is about one millionth the size of a cell. Okay, so everybody's had the experience of looking at a cell under a microscope in your high school biology class. Okay, it's really small. A virus is a million times smaller. So you can't tell me that there isn't biological material coming back in that syringe. That biological material is bypassing the normal way that we evolved. Because, you know, 
you know, when we eat something, our stomach acids, you know, break it down and everything. But when you're mainlining it right into the vein, you are breaking kind of what mother nature set up as your protection system. Yes, viruses can be dangerous. They can rampage through populations, especially populations that aren't healthy. We know that, okay? That's why something like the measles in underdeveloped countries is dangerous. Why is it not dangerous in the United States? Because we're, we've got good nutrition here, okay? And, and sanitation. So um, that's why I say zero vaccines. Zero vaccines prepared in animal tissue or using aborted human fetal tissue. Now, Judy is kind of interesting because when she talks about it, you know, she's an immunologist. So to her, when she says vaccine, she means anything that can stimulate the uh, immune system to function more effectively. Yeah. So, she, so she thinks of like, you know, you could make the argument that CBD is a, a natural vaccine or taking vitamin C is. And that's what she means when she says, no, I'm pro-vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Interferon A, lots of things. And, and you know, what she talks about is, uh, for example, in cancer therapy, immunotherapy is one of the most promising areas. But what Judy says is, look, when we give a medication to a cancer patient to help their immune system function, we're monitoring that person and seeing if it's working or not. And so she says that vaccines are immunotherapy on a massive scale that is not being monitored. So to me, when I look at all, all of the, the problems, I just say the best thing that I can do and the clearest argument that I can make is I am the world's number one anti-vaxxer, okay? Because I mean to be provocative. I mean to get people angry. I mean to say zero vaccines. Not 271, not 265, not 120, not 50, zero. Because you can't show me that these things are not contaminated with animal and human viruses and injecting them into a baby, you know, or any human being. That, that's a crime against humanity. And so I just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to call it what it is. And um, and let the chips fall where they may. Well, and, and CDC refuses to do any study comparing non-vaccinated children to vaccinated children. And it would be so easy to do. I mean, I got kicked out of a pediatrics practice when my third child was 18 months old. I, I took her in suspecting an ear infection. She eventually got tubes. I, I refused all the antibiotics. I'd rather get tubes in the ears with a 15 minute localized surgery than take an antibiotic. And so I never gave any of my children antibiotics, but I went in to have them. I just wanted them to look in her ear. Then I knew what I was going to do. I knew how I would treat her. I already had done that research, but they kicked me out of the practice and they refused to treat her because they said, is she current on her vaccines? And I said, no. And they said, why? And I said, by my choice. And they said, get out. Here's your, here's your records. Here's your other kids' records. Get out. And so I wrote him a letter later and said, um, you know, because I said, why? Why are you kicking me out? And they're like, well, you're a threat to to um, the other children. And, and so I wrote them a letter. I went home. I cried all the way home. And I wrote a letter and said, wait, if all the other children are vaccinated, then how is my child a threat to them? But um, at that time, I don't know what the statistics are now, but at that time when I had, when my 22-year-old daughter was, you know, a year old, there was a close to a quarter of Utah's children who were unimmunized. You could take those, that population and compare it to the vaccinated children and you could, or you could go take the Amish kids and compare them. It's kind of interesting because the CD has this really weird um, rationale. What they say is, well, it would be unethical to, to have unvaccinated kids. And I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean unethical? You study heroin addicts, Versus people who are not heroin addicts. Well, plus you're, you're not, it's unethical if you put people on heroin. It's it's unethical if you tell people not to vaccinate. The fact of the matter is there's a significant minority of us who aren't vaccinating. That, that, that's a that's a made up story. That's a... Just, just like there are a certain portion of the people who weren't told by the government to take heroin, but they're taking it anyway. Just go right. study them, you know? Right. It would be really easy. Uh, to do that study. And the, the other thing that kind of cracks me up about uh, the CDC is, you know, they've done their profile of the anti-vaxxer and the, the profile is 
a college-educated woman or more education. And so right. I'm thinking, really? That's that's the point you're making? Okay, we have to take on the educator. Right. Yeah, I, re I resemble that. I resemble that remark. The anti-vaxxers are a, a college or more or advanced degree. I mean, you know, it's also those with an advanced degree whose children are most likely to go to college and lots of other positive outcomes. But you know who it is. You know who the profile is. They should throw this in there is the one or two college degrees mother of a vaccine injured child. That, that right there is the profile of the anti-vaxxer. You, you can do, you can embrace anti-vaxxer. I go about it a different way, which is don't call me that because that's a gaslighting term. I'm not embracing it. Um, but you know, like I, I can, I, it's made my day today and we all need good news every day these days. It made my day that you guys are on the New York times list because in the last two years, none of my colleagues and you know, I mean, this is, you're, you're close to my 200th episode, not including all the people I've interviewed on, on YouTube. And I've been an influencer for 13 years now. I have, I have not in the last two years seen a single one of my colleagues hit the New York times list. And I'm talking about people who've had previous New York Times bestsellers. Um, and and like New York Times is just the the holy grail. And so I'm just kind of, I want to give you a ton of props for that because I know you guys didn't write this book imagining in your wildest dreams that you would hit the New York Times bestseller list. But that's the level of interest that Americans have here. And if they didn't give you number three on New York Times this week. If they didn't give you that, because people don't understand New York Times, is, it's not based on numbers. I've been number I've been number one on Amazon um, in multiple categories, multiple times, but that's, and that's based on numbers. New York Times is not based on that. New York Times is, is, is status. I mean, it's like probably like the Rockefellers sitting up in their penthouse apartment deciding who, who gets to be on the list this week? Who do they like? But but what's exciting to me about it is that right now we want we all want to know that there's any hope at all <laughs> that all of these institutions aren't just bought and paid for and agenda driven. I saw I saw Judy Mikovits on a an interview, never heard of her before. I think she's really an unknown, and she's wearing like a baseball cap, and the sound is terrible, and the in the and the interview isn't even that good. But I just was listening to her and I was like, holy cow, who is this woman? I told my assistant, go find her. And she, we got her on the show really quickly and she was fantastic. Like I said, she was on fire, 150,000 downloads. And last week I saw in 48 hours, nine hit pieces on her in every, all of the biggest liberal media sources. I saw nine hit pieces come out on her in 48 hours. And that's just what I observed. And I saw lots of people who had seen that movie, Plandemic. It got millions of views within a couple of days. Um, I don't know. I don't know Mickey Willis, but he's my Facebook friend. I guess he friended me a long time ago on Facebook because I never friend anyone. Um, and he knew. He knew it would get taken down. He begged people in the comments. He begged the YouTube reviewers, be a human. Be a, be a part of the human race. Read what you're doing before you, before you do what the Nazis did and say, I was just doing my job. Let me appeal to you as a human being. Do you care about the truth? Do you care about free speech? It was amazing. Amazing little, but of course, YouTube had, had um, censored them. Facebook has censored them. They're, they're, they're starting to just get, you know, banned everywhere. But nine hit pieces in 48 hours that I saw. Tell us about Judy Mikovits because on this fast growing um, group, that we have on Facebook, almost every day somebody says, you know, how do I defend against Forbes? Forbes coming out and telling me you shouldn't even be friends with somebody who likes or shares uh, Judy Mikovits and her, her, you know, co-author, her book, her content, the pandemic movie. You should literally cut people out of your lives who even entertain this kind of content. Tell us about the Judy Mikovits you know. Is she... a a truth teller. What's wonderful is they're doing all our work for us because, yeah. you know, if, for those, you know, trust in the mainstream media is at an all time low. So, yeah. um, so many of those, so it's, it's, I, I actually love the attacks mm -hmm. um, because then it makes, you know, people who are influencers, people who are independent thinkers say, Hey, let me go take a look at this person. And so um, for example, that pandemic video, um, I talked to the filmmaker a couple nights ago and he said, that on all the various platforms, their numbers show that it's been seen by 55 million people. Fantastic, because we got to get people to wake up. We're breaking a stranglehold. And so let me talk a little bit about Judy Mikovits, because I think she's just one of the most extraordinary people um, I'm ever likely to come across, which is why, you know, I've spent uh, 10 years writing 
two books with her, Plague, yeah. our first one in 2014. Look, it's really thick. It's actually an e-textbook. Okay. You wrote you wrote this one for the layperson. That one was really sciencey, right? Exactly. You know, so so I, I I jokingly say that this was Dunkirk. Okay, we were under attack. We had to evacuate all the information. This is Normandy. <laughs> this is the storming of the beaches. Okay, taking taking Europe back from the Nazis, taking our health back from those crazy mad scientists. So, um, Judy Mikovits. So I I met her. I, you know, I, I read her original article um, in the journal Science um, and the comments she'd made because she found that um, uh, her article in Science was linking this XMRV, a xenotropic murine leukemia virus related virus, basically a mouse virus, was found in women with chronic fatigue syndrome. And if you know much about chronic fatigue syndrome, you know that it's, it's been dealt with in bad faith from the very beginning. They said, oh, it's just career women who crashed because they couldn't handle the corporate world. And, you know, and, and, you know, the, the thing that's interesting is they were usually type A personalities who push themselves very hard. But what that means is your immune system gets worked out. Um, and so this virus likes to hide out in the immune cells of the body, kind of like HIV does. And she'd also done family association studies because she understood that you know, these viruses can be transmitted with, between family members or close members. So it's kind of interesting because this, this virus was found first in prostate cancer. So last I checked, women don't have prostates. Secondly, it was found in women with chronic fatigue syndrome. And then third, she found that um, uh, these women with chronic fatigue syndrome uh, have a high number of children with autism. And so if this was a virus that got passed down from mother to child, it would kind of make sense. And so with her background in HIV, she, uh, in HIV, and this is why this shouldn't be an argument because this is just kind of like simple science and comparison. So uh, if you're a woman, you have HIV and you give birth to a child, the first thing they do is they put that child on antiretroviral drugs before they give them an immunization because the very active immunization will stimulate the BNT cells of the immune system, which is where the virus hides, so it causes the virus to replicate out of control, develop AIDS, okay? So Judy's first thinking was maybe it's something similar. Maybe uh, autism is these kids are born with, the, with this virus and they get a shot, it stimulates the immune system, overload of the system, develops autism. That's, that's, you know, that was clear. I knew immediately she would get in trouble because she was an honest scientist looking uh, to undercover what was going on there. And um, did you know her back then? Uh, so I gave her a call in 2010. Oh. And what I was shocked at, I'd been an activist for probably about seven, seven or eight years at that point. And, you know, she immediately, she was so generous with her time. Um, and I think one of the things that it, when you start investigating uh, Dr. Mikovits and why people love her so much is she is so incredibly generous with her time. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I'm not generous like that. You know, I don't want people calling me up asking me, how do I do this? How do I do that? You know, my life is really busy. I, you know, I, I try to help by writing my books. Judy takes one person at a time. And so, you know, we, we, um, we then uh, had dinner at Autism One in Chicago in 2010. You know, I had a nice long conversation. You know, we weren't kind of on the same page about things, but, um, but I would pose questions to her and she, to her credit, she would, you know, research them and come back and, you know, say, oh, I, I think you might be right on that. And like, one of the first things that we talked about was I said, so where did this mouse virus come from? And she goes, I don't know. I said, you mind if I do a little research on it? She goes, yeah, go ahead. So relatively quickly, I found out that there's an answer that pretty much everybody in the community agrees with. The first outbreak of chronic fatigue syndrome happened in 1934, 1935, among 198 doctors and nurses at Los Angeles County Hospital during a polio epidemic. So shouldn't the, the polio patients be immunosuppressed? And so then I did a little more digging and I found out they got an early polio vaccine, which was grown in mouse brain tissue. Um, that was one of the first times they'd used it. They got an acute accompanying immune system booster preserved in thimerosal, which is mercury. So at the scene of the first crime, uh, we've got both this mouse brain tissue 
in a vaccine and we've got um, mercury. Uh, what was also interesting is this same time period is when the first kids with autism were born, okay? So, um, and one of the early observations by a guy named Leo Kanner is that the parents of these, of these kids tended to be scientific people. So, you know, I also found out that 8,000 doses of this vaccine were given to kids back th at that time. And, and the only other place that um, this uh, the mouse brain tissue was used was in a yellow fever vaccine. And in that first group of 11 kids with autism, three of their parents were tropical disease researchers. It really kind of lined up for me. And, you know, understand, when you're trained as an attorney, what you do, nobody tells you the truth when you're an attorney. You know, you worry if your own clients are lying to you. The old joke is, uh, you know, if somebody says their mother loves them, get a second opinion. So, you know, we start out skeptical and we, and we understand that, you know, while people may generally be truthful, when something bad happens, they're likely to lie. It just is the truth. So, you know, we are assembling the evidence. We're trying to come up with what happened and, and what the evidence suggests. So, I mean, that's really the kind of way that we wrote our books is, you know, we, we you know, our first book, I think it's got over 600 footnotes, okay? So we really do our homework and, and we're suggesting, saying, hey, we think the evidence leads us this way. And the fact that, uh, you know, what's really dramatic to us is, you know, when we wrote our first book, I mean, look at it. It's thick. You know, it's big. It's dense. Zero response from the media. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, it, and I told Judy, one of two things is going to happen. They will actually, they will pretend like we don't exist or they'll attack us viciously. You've gotten both of those. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and, and I made that prediction six years ago. So, um, you know, with this one, they acted like we didn't exist. This one, viciously attacked. But you can go to this one and you can see everything we said about Tony Fauci, you know, six years ago. Really? We aren't making this up because now he's America's doctor and everybody knows who he is. Okay, so Tony Fauci, I um, am completely astonished at what uh, Judy has said about him. In fact, I made a video. It starts right out with part of my interview with her. And I said, hey, I watched an interview where you called Tony Fauci, quote, both evil and stupid. <laughs> and we and she kind of laughed, kind of embarrassed. And she's like, did I say that? And I said, you sure did. And um, so this video, we, we've tried to upload it to YouTube three times and we keep naming it different things. But it let's just let's just put it this way. YouTube refused to accept it as Dr. Judy Mikovits calls Tony Fauci both evil and stupid. Um, so, but, but based on everything that we learned about him from her, and of course there were nine hit pieces in 48 hours in the mainstream media. I mean, I'm just imagining, you know, these, these five liberal organizations who own all the media that Americans are watching. I'm just imagining them sitting around a board room saying, how can we take Kent Heck and Lively and Judy Mikovits down. And, um, and I think she's astonishingly brave. You, you both are, but I mean, it, and, and she's, I mean, she's already been to hell and back. There's probably no lower she can go. Um, I mean, she's been, she's been to jail for this, but, um, but of course they did that. And I have to ask though, if this was out there six years ago, why is he leading the charge when he owns vaccine patents? Why is he sitting on the right hand of Donald Trump? Why did um, Donald Trump say that Fauci wants us to shut down schools? And he's a very, very wonderful man, but I don't agree with him. We need to have schools in the fall. Why is he still in that position? A couple things. Um, you know, so with my background as an attorney, you know, the search for truth is difficult. It's difficult because we can be biased in unconscious ways. So the fact that Tony Fauci's agency gave $3.7 million to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study oh. coronavirus and how to make it infect human cells. After, after it was banned in the United States, Shimeric Research was banned. And so he just outsourced it with our money. Yeah. So 
in a legal context, you go, wait a minute, no, 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 this never happens. And, and what science and particularly public health has tried to do is they tried to get the lawyers out of it. Yeah. That's what they tried to do with the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. And so what I'm saying is we have to rebalance the system, you know, because the problem is people think that public health is like anything else, okay? They think like, oh, gee, it's like a toaster, you know? Hey, my toaster sets my kitchen on fire because it catches the drapes. I can sue the, the toaster manufacturer. I'm sure I can do the same thing with vaccines. Uh-uh, you can't do anything like that. So I think that there's, and that's why, you know, really, rather than attacking Fauci, who I do think is corrupt and evil and all of the, and stupid and all those other things, the system has allowed somebody like that to rise to the top. I mean, Tony Fauci is 79 years old. He has been in his same position for 36 years. That's almost as long as Hoover ran the FBI, and we know how corrupt that was. So why is it that we're allowing these people, this corrupt old boys club of science, people like Robert Redfield, to stick around for so damn long? Mm -hmm. no, get them out, five-year terms, done. Okay, get some new blood in there. These people have been running the show for 35, 40 years, and it just has to stop. And so what I say to people, when people ask me my message, I say, Fire Fauci, hire Mikevitz. It's not just that, that Fauci is corrupt, it's that the system is corrupt. But hey, somebody who fights the system is Judy Mikevitz. So, well, and he couldn't, he couldn't do that. Trump couldn't do that unless he got a second term. And so I heard one, one commentator say, hey, how do you make the left hate vaccines? Have Trump go out there and say, hey, we need a vaccine because they'll reflexively say, no, that's wrong. Which is what which is what he did this week. And lots of his followers are wringing their hands. And I always have to put a disclaimer in here because people are like, wait a minute, does Green Smoothie Girl like Trump? Listen, I didn't vote for Trump. Um, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not, uh, you know, I wasn't particularly political before this. Um, I'll, I'm going to vote for him again, um, most likely. I'm certainly not going to vote for Joe Biden. I'll just put that out there right now. But that's because there's, you know, I, I remember when he was running, he was talking about draining the swamp. Guess what? In the last three months, I've learned a lot more about what the swamp is. Here's here's something that I, that I, I you know, I could be totally wrong about this, but here's my perspective. Big Pharma invested big time in China. So... And, you know, we know it controls the news networks. 50 to 60% of your evening broadcast is brought to you by Big Pharma. Mm -hmm. So I think that with what's gone on with China, I think Big Pharma bet big on China and it's all crumbling down. So part of the reason, I, I think Big Pharma is gonna take a huge hit for all their factories in China and everything. And so I think that this is a moment of opportunity um, and with the overreach by so many of the governors, um, I, I think there's going to be a rebirth of freedom in the United States and a rebirth of curiosity about things. And so, you know, here we have written, you know, two science books. So, you know, if you attack us, uh, you're really, you know, anti-science, anti-discussion, anti, you know, let's let's be americans and, and debate things so i really think that these these despots are going against the grain of the american culture and the american tradition and judy and i are in the american tradition of saying hey there's two sides to an issue um and you know if you you know judy has been effectively exiled from science since 2012 so hey look at the great world these you know you know, these idiots brought you. Her, her life is probably a great microcosm for what we're all going to have to just lean into to recover our happiness here. Like I have so many people telling me today that, you know, every day they're telling me that they're despairing. I mean, you look at the low point that she had to have hit. I mean, she, they were, they were looking to nab her. Colleagues of hers, she has told me have been murdered. Um, she was, you know, go, went through these horrifying, terrifying experiences. They, she said they terrorized her husband. They put her in jail for five days. They didn't, wouldn't let, even though they couldn't charge her with anything, she hadn't committed any crimes. They made her sign a, 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 a gag order for five years. She survived it. 
She came out of it and now she is a New York Times bestselling author that everyone wants to talk to and everyone wants to listen to. She came out of exile into light, into light and freedom and making meaning of all these horrible experiences she's had in her career where she went up against these corrupt organizations. And I know, Kent, that you feel that there's not bad people, there's bad systems. And I absolutely agree with you because I was a psychotherapist in the state system and everywhere I worked, whether it was in the prison or the psychiatric hospital or wherever, like no good medicine was happening. No good therapy was happening. No good rehabilitation of disenfranchised people was happening because the system was so sick. It was so very sick. It was a swamp. And this was, you know, whatever it was 25 years ago. And so she is, and you are, great American heroes who are shining a flashlight where cockroaches have been living for decades since the Bayh-Dole Act that she talks about. She didn't talk about it on my show, but I've learned about it from just following her everywhere. Bayh-Dole Act is 40 years old right now where, you know, if anybody thinks that the universities are doing pure research, then you haven't learned about the Bayh-Dole Act, B-A-Y-H-Dole, Bayh-Dole Act, which basically let everybody in universities go out and compete for patents that they could then sell to drug companies. And so on your dollar, you're funding the universities, your tax dollar funding the universities. And then these, these, these quote unquote scientists are out there trying to sell crap that can make a billion dollars on American public's backs. And those are the 270 vaccines that are you know, very, very late in the pipeline. But Kent, the reason you are a great American hero, and I want to tell you, thank you for your work and thank you for your courage, because I know it wasn't just on behalf of your daughter. It started there, is that tens of millions of Americans, if not more, are waking up to what the corrupt pharmaceutical industry that, that yeah, you, 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 if, if you take a heart disease drug and you get cancer from it, you can sue that company. If you get a vaccine, if your child gets a vaccine and that child is autistic and then your next child gets a vaccine and that that child goes autistic in 24 hours, you have no recourse from the drug company. They don't even have to show up to vaccine court. They don't even have to show up. And you are creating a situation by putting your neck on the line where everybody in America is looking at you. And everybody in America is looking at your brave work and is learning what the vaccine industry really is. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you for having me on. 